0: It's February 2nd, 1887, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, The Retrospectors. Okay campers, rise and shine and don't forget your booties because it's (laughs) cold out there today. That's right woodchuck chuckers it's Groundhog Day More specifically, it's the first ever Groundhog Day because long before the brilliant Harold Ramis Bill Murray comedy movie I was just quoting from, it was today in history in 1887 at the delightfully named Gobbler's Knob in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania that the tradition of using an oversized shadow detecting rodent to predict the weather began.
1: And as I'm sure we'll discuss there are references to Groundhog Day among the German immigrant communities as early as the 1840s, but this was the first official observance in the New World. We've talked before about the importance of societies in late 19th century mm. life, and here it is in action again. We can thank the Punxsutawney Elks Lodge for Groundhog Day. But it has to be said they weren't really primarily interested in the groundhog as a, you know, kind of whimsical weatherman. The rodent was a popular game meat in the region. According to local historian Christopher R. Davis, the flavour is between chicken and pork, and members of the lodge regularly went out on groundhog hunting parties and so it was they knew exactly where to gather on this day to spot an emerging (laughs) groundhog
2: so the theory is that if the groundhog sees a shadow then you have six more weeks of winter if the groundhog doesn't see a shadow then you get an early spring 150 years, and still no one knows quite how to ask a groundhog what it thinks about shadows. So the whole thing is obviously ridiculous, but that's why it makes sense, isn't it? As something that really, when you boil it down, has its origins, as you were saying, in a in a society, a game society. Well, what's that? It's meeting up to hunt. It's meeting up to drink, isn't it? It's a drinking society thing really. Like yeah, even yeah. now, I didn't realize this, but Groundhog Day happens early in the morning. It's a bit like a kind of May Day celebration or something, which means that the people that are there watching, you know, they talk about all oh, 5,000 people show up each year to watch Groundhog Day. They're completely pissed out their heads by that point. They've been up since midnight. They've been partying <laughs> all night. There are festivities, there are fireworks. The whole thing is just a massive meeting of piss artists. So when you watch it on NBC News and, you know, it's all about whether the groundhog is going to decide whether there's more spring or not everyone is in on the joke and always has been. It's a complete lark.
0: (laughs) Well, the deep history goes even further back than that drinking society come hunting group because the seeds of what we now know as Groundhog Day were planted thousands of years ago, according to Dan Yoder, who's a folklorist who uh, hails from Pennsylvania and so has spent a lot of his attention looking into (laughs) the history of Groundhog Day. Hails from
2: Pennsylvania, so obviously he spent a lot of time looking into the most significant event in the history of that state. (laughs) the time a hunting lodge decided a rodent could predict the weather
1: (laughs) it was like I really wish I'd been born in Washington DC but I guess I'll have to work with what I've been given yeah
0: Anyway, he penned what's regarded as really the definitive history of this very important festival. And he says that the holiday evolved over centuries, and it was originally observed by different groups from the Celts to the Germans, then to the Pennsylvania Dutch, and eventually by those in other parts of the US as well, because it spread across America, at least in terms of how many people tune in to witness this drinking party. Um, but its evolution began in the pre-Christian era of Western Europe, when the Celtic world was the predominant cultural force in the region, and the Celtic year, instead of solstices, has four dates that are similar to the dates that we used to demarcate the seasons, and they were meant to be the turning points of the year, and one of them was around February the 1st.
1: Yeah, and so the mythology around the groundhog actually relates to a German folk belief involving badgers and Candlemas. Mm. Candlemas falls on the second of February in the Christian liturgical calendar. It commemorates the presentation of the infant Jesus at the temple. And although the feast day itself is fairly minor in terms of being a religious holiday, its timing at the close of winter and the beginning of the farming year meant that, you know, all through Western Europe, it acquired various superstitions and proverbs and traditions connected to the arrival of spring. But in Germany, the superstition was that if a badger, leaving its winter den on Candlemas, saw its shadow, i.e. it was a sunny day. It would go back into its den because it knew that that meant winter would last another four weeks. This would later become six weeks when the German settlers came to the New World. This idea, minus the badgers, can be found in proverbs across Europe, the general gist being that a sunny Candlemas foretold Mm. a prolonged winter. There was a similar legend in Ireland involving St. Brigid's Day, which is the 1st of February, and hedgehogs. Candlemas was actually sometimes known in Germany as Dachstag, Badger Day, and this this was the tradition the early settlers were bringing to Pennsylvania, the people who'd be known as the Pennsylvania Dutch. The groundhog, also known as the woodchuck, I had no idea that the woodchuck was the same thing as a groundhog. That was a new creature to the settlers. It's native to North America. And so they called it a dox as a badger because it seemed the most badger-like of the new animals around them. But others adopted the term grunsao, which is a direct translation of the name the English settlers in the area used. Groundhog.
2: But how much wood would a groundhog chuck if a groundhog could chuck wood?
1: (laughs) How
2: much ground would a
0: groundhog ground? Grind? Grind. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's
2: interesting when you say that the tradition came out of Candlemas minus the badger. Like, forget, forget about the badger, forget about all the animals for a minute. It makes sense, doesn't it, that on Candlemas Day, the religious leaders would hand out candles... And then, obviously, if the wind was blowing and it was a bad day and your candle went out, you'd be pretty disappointed, wouldn't you? You're there to commemorate a solemn religious event. Mm. It makes sense then to have the superstition of people saying, aha, but it's gone out, but don't be disappointed because, actually, winter's going to be over soon. (laughs) Hooray! It's that, isn't it? It's people turning was obviously a bad thing into a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's like rain on your wedding day. That's meant to be good luck. You know, the the, the idea that you would see a sunny day means more bad weather and the opposite means good weather. Hooray! <laughs> when, you know, in in fact, the opposite is true, which is supported by the fact that uh, Punxsutawney Phil's predictions are very hit and miss at best. In fact, you'd have a better chance of predicting the correct weather <laughs> by flipping a coin because over the past 10 years, on average, Phil has got uh, the weather forecast right about 40% of the time. And going all the way back to this first prediction in 1887, he's been right only 39% of the time. So at least he's consistent. But consistently bad is the point. And I suppose it's because you're going on the evidence, which is contrary to
1: logic. And so the first Groundhog Day, as we obviously used to be mentioned today in history in 1887, but it really became popular around the turn of the century thanks to a guy called Freas. He Freyas the editor of the Punxsutawney Spirit Newspaper and a co-founder of the Groundhog Club. Conflict of interest. <laughs> well, yeah, you can imagine in you know in Punxsutawney, there probably wasn't a huge amount of hot news he was having to shove off the front page to put more Groundhog content on there. Uh, every year, his reports of Groundhog Day became more fantastical. I've got an example from 1907, which is kind of a pastiche of the Brer Rabbit stories that were popular at the time. He writes rare groundhog produced from his hip pocket an escutcheon which contained a correct schedule for all things meteorological of the next six weeks. On the emblazoned pages was written, back to the bosom of Mother Earth for mine, see you again in six weeks. And, you know, through coverage like this, Freyas helped cement the groundhog as a symbol of Punxsutawney, including an annual groundhog feast, which included not only groundhog meat, but also groundhog punch, which is exactly as vile as it sounds. It doesn't contain (laughs) groundhog. That's one small, you know... (laughs) (laughs) The base ingredients are vodka, milk, eggs, and orange juice.
0: Yeah, although it does then list and other ingredients, which I can only imagine is a code word for groundhog <laughs> just sort of
1: <laughs> well and actually Punxsutawney's groundhog club no longer hunts them but they are still in charge of the groundhog day ceremony starring Punxsutawney Phil who ostensibly is the same groundhog who has been making predictions since 1887 although he didn't get his name till 1961 but supposedly he is kept alive and young by having groundhog punch given to him at the annual groundhog picnic for most of the year Punxsutawney Phil lives in a kind of simulated burrow at Punxsutawney Library where he enjoys a diet luckily not of Groundhog Punch but of leafy greens carrots Ritz crackers and Nature Valley granola bars as a treat apparently he makes occasional mm. visits to schools and civic events but obviously his big event is Groundhog Day in preparation for <laughs> the day's ceremony he is taken from his home at the library and placed in a heated burrow in a fake tree stump at gobbler's knob and at dawn the club's inner circle clad in black tie and top hats help Phil out and onto the stump before the assembled crowd. Then the club president leans in to hear Phil's prediction. Um, Obviously, guys, you're thinking that doesn't make sense. Well, the club president carries an acacia wood cane that gives him the power to understand groundhoggies.
0: So (laughs) don't
1: worry, they've thought about that. The vice president (laughs) then reads out the appropriate scroll as to whether winter is going to continue or end. And as you mentioned, Arian, his success rate is not great, you know, only about 39%. And you might be thinking, well, using rodents to predict the length of the winter is a waste of time. But wait, because Time magazine tells us that New York City's official groundhog, Staten Island Chuck, has correctly predicted winter's end 82% of the time from his home at Staten Island Zoo. In 2009, he also bit then Mayor Mike Bloomberg, prompting him to be replaced with his daughter, Charlotte. (laughs)
2: funny because Punxsutawney Phil you know is a spoof right Staten Island Chuck could be the name of a New York based weatherman
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so another week of retrospecting ends but next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday patreon.com slash retrospectors